Jago's one of those petticoat soldiers now. Yeah. My sister wants to join the wax. What do you think of that? <laughs> She's crazy. What the devil's a woman want to be a soldier for? Just a waste of time. Welcome to this episode of Longest War. This is a man's war. What sort of jobs can they do? What sort of jobs can we do? Take a look, mister. X-ray technicians, inspectors of army meat. Teachers schooling our soldiers. Wax or classification experts. Assignment interviewers. So this is a man's war, is it? Wax are at work on every sort of army vehicle, doing every sort of motor transport job, testing walkie-talkies, testing radio tubes. Those are just a few of the jobs they do. There are 239 more. Hey, you two armchair generals on the porch, here's something more for you to think about. General Eisenhower said, in many jobs, wax do the work of two men. The army needs and can use all it can get. My name is Lauren Del Ritchie, and I'm a Navy veteran. It's my honor to be sitting here with you women today. I'd like to introduce, first we have Beverly Krager. She joined in November of 1942 and served through November 1945 in the WAC WAAC before it was the WAC. We have Miss Marion Cole, who served as a WAC 1943 to 1945. And we have, last but not least, especially not least, Emily M. Drake, a WAC from 1944 to 1946. I'd like to give you my sincere welcome to our podcast today. Usually it features veterans of post 9-11 conflicts, but we wanted to do a special episode I didn't know there was a National Convention of Women's Army Corps Veterans Association, which is the name of the group here that is convening this weekend. And when I found out you were coming, we made it priority to get here so we could hear a little bit of each of your stories. And it's equally special to have three women that all served in World War II. So with that, we'll get started. The reason I was going to say that you did not know that there was a convention because we we have contacted various newspapers and not one of them put it up. Except the Post-Gazette, finally. Yeah. Well, that well, we can open with that, because I did notice in that article, Emily, you said we're an invisible population. Right. And you, you claim it's your responsibility to educate. Everywhere I that. go, I, I ask, especially the younger people, did you know that we had a women's all-women's Army Corps? A lot of them did not. They, and I said, they don't teach you in school and history? No, ma'am. No. So that's unfortunate. When I was in college, I asked an audience of people, how many people think a veteran is an old guy? That's it. Every kid raised their hand, right? In their 20s. And I can understand where you're coming from because I would like to help break that stigma as a female veteran myself. Right. So I can remember seeing a flyer of a woman and the question, I believe it was a recruiting poster, from the 40s and it says are you a girl with a star-spangled heart you guys remember that i was in high school at the time 1940 i don't remember seeing anything like that i don't either this one right here you guys don't remember that no way no so if it wasn't do you remember it bev that part yeah yes is that what got you to join i mean was it a recruiting poster or what what made you decide i want to be a part of the women's army corps I asked me what made me decide to join. Yes. It's so simple. My brother was in the Army. I wanted to get away from home. I thought, gee, what happened to us? We've got to take care of our country. So I enlisted. Slightly underage. <laughs> but I say to people, 
the judicious use of Clorox <laughs> on my birth certificate. Suddenly aged me a couple of years. I was able to get in. I think, I was, I think you I and Emily might that have time that more than that. Someone's <laughs> going to find out and put me out. Yeah. <laughs> well, as far as getting away from home, I would agree with that. That's probably one of the reasons why I went in. To get away from home. Mm-hmm. But you were... I've never regretted it. But you it. were 21, right? Yeah. Because that was... When the, I went in, you had to be 21. Right. You didn't use Clorox like Emily well, and Marion well, did. What was interesting, <laughs> and just and an eraser. I had three an eraser? cousins who followed me into the Army. Really? Female cousins? One is in a, a senior center at Pensacola, Florida. The one in Pensacola had a sister who also joined. The sister has died. And another cousin on the other side of the family, the paternal, is dead too. So two of us are still living. And I've been trying for years to persuade my cousins to join me. to won't travel anymore. I want to go back to Emily, what you were saying when you both joined up, right? You, you both were not of 20. You weren't 21 yet. No. You were 20? Well, you know, the, the war effort was so in order at that time. Everybody was talking about the war. And my brother was, he got married in, on Valentine's Day. And a month later, he was drafted. And then after he went in, he was in four years and never had a furlough to get it back. And then my sister-in-law, his wife, uh, he, she joined, and I said, boy, I can't be sitting around here. i got to do part of it, too. But I was, I was still in high school when the war was declared, so I had to work two years before I got, well, I got to 19 when I should have been 20. But I did, I did lie about my age, and I got in, so. Well, I read that Congress created WAC in May of 1942 after much debate. Do you remember when Congress decided to create the WAC Corps? No, I see, I was still in high school and we didn't talk about things like that. And then at that time, we never read a daily newspaper, you know, we didn't get newspaper like they do now, so. Okay. We didn't know much about the war. Well, I'm just so curious. I was born in 1982. I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, sometimes I say I might've been born in the wrong generation. You know, I was in the Navy, but it was probably a much different experience than being in the first ever Women's of Army course, Corps. Of course. So do you have any memories that you'd like to share? Like you, you were mentioning, you want to help educate the younger population about what the WAC was, you know, what you stood for, why you're proud, why you're here this weekend celebrating the fact that you're a female WAC veteran. Just talk to me a little bit about that, what it means to you, why it's so special well, I think it's very special because it was such a great experience, especially my job. After I got out of high school, I went to a Robert Morris Business School to study stenotype because it was like a court reporter. And uh, I didn't graduate, but I was well enough that I could use it when I went into the Army. And that was my job. I took, uh, I took testimony from the GIs that were trying to get out of the service because of dependency, because of troubles at home. And that was quite an education, I must say. I, I probably aged about 10 years the first year because I heard stories like I, I couldn't imagine what was going on. And then alongside of that, you learn to stand on your own two feet and, uh, and just the experience of working with all the people, you have to have discipline and you learn how to obey, which I think is very important. 
That was so, hard. That yeah. was hard. I mean, of course, direct order, a direct order. I don't think it changed much from 1940 to no. 2000. And a direct order is a direct of order. Of course. Right. So you have to listen to what comes down the pike. So you were a stenotype. That was your job. That is right. What about you, Marion? What was your job in the Army? My job? 38 of us went as a group overseas. All were office workers. So I, was, I happened to be a, a, a type that made clerk typist. Okay. Where did you go overseas? I'm glad you're sitting down. New Delhi, India. Oh. Mm. And Candy, we were transferred then to Candy, and it was now Sri Lanka about four months later. So... In New Delhi, we were with, the, with some Chinese, with the WAC eyes, which the it, Women's Army Corps in India. We were with Wrens in Ceylon. It was all American. It was a very safe area. By the time we left, and came back 21 months away. 21 months. Wow, that's a long time away from home. Yeah. Apparently, General Silwell thought we did well enough. He accepted another group uh, in another, the next year. Your replacements finally showed up. Well, they came, They joined us. Not, very few went home in that time. I'm glad you were safe over there in New Delhi. What about you? Beth? Well, when we were talking about the uh, WAAC, we didn't know about what was going on in Congress. We just knew that all of a sudden they told us that it was going to be the WAC. And we just wanted to stay in. We didn't want to leave. Oh. We just wouldn't consider leaving. You had a choice. You could leave and oh, yes, get an yes. automatic so discharge. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, what did you do in the service? I was a telephone operator, mm-hmm. and always with a mail group in uh, in Fort Custer, Michigan. That's where the boys came into the service. Then, after 15 months there, when I went to England. That was the first base post office where all the mail from the United States came in and had to be redistributed. And unfortunately, it was also where casualties came back, and that's where one of our girls learned that her brother had been killed. Then, just six months before the end of the war, they sent me to Vitry-sur-Seine, which is right outside of Paris. There again, still working with the post office, but Needless to say, on VE Day, and in case people don't know, that's Victory in Europe Day, I was there for the big celebration in Paris. And uh, come VJ Day, the end of the war, no celebration in Paris, whatever. Really? And And we still hadn't come home, even after six months. They were getting us ready to come home. Mm -hmm. If we had come home and the war hadn't been over, we would have been sent more toward the Pacific to do Uh either in the United States or to the Pacific area. And that was about it. Do you remember VE Day? Yes. Uh, We celebrate. I, I was very fortunate. One of the generals had to go to Rangoon for victory parade. Uh, for VE Day, he told his secretary she could take five wax and he could drop us off in Calcutta. I was lucky. I never. I don't know why she chose me because we weren't overly friendly. But I was. I went. It was exciting because yeah. I never would have gotten there otherwise. Oh no! Oh, yeah, we so traveled. We were there for f- five days, and then General came back, picked us up, and took us back down to Sri Lanka. Okay. What about you, Emily? No, I don't remember much about VE Day 
In fact, I don't remember it at all now. No. So. Well, you did say it's been 73 years, right? I mean, you have to have a heck of a memory. Yes, my memory is failing me. Right. Well, the one thing I notice in the morning events, you guys know we're with the Breakfast Club, right? And you've been to some events. These veterans remember some such detailed description. Mm-hmm. They remember the they smells would. of what of what the, the area smelled like. They remember sounds. They remember things that were said, you know, stuff like that. Well, Do you have any really dis- descript memories of any of your time spent as a WAC? What that you that you'd like to share with us? What whether it be like a, a certain phone call that maybe um, Beverly you had gotten or Emily something that you typed as a stenotype, you know? Oh, I I have a very memorable moment. I wanted to join a service because I like languages and I wanted to go overseas. Well, you know, I I enlisted in the latter part of the war, and by that time they weren't. I applied to go overseas, but you know it. it it never worked out. But anyway, I went to the uh, education office and I asked the captain there, I said, do you have any lessons in languages? Because I love languages and I want to go overseas. That was my main, main reason for joining. And he says, uh, oh, do you know any foreign languages? And I says, I know Polish. And he says, oh, he says, how nice. He says, you could uh, get a job at the embassy, American embassy in Warsaw, oh. or you could get a job at the American embassy in Washington, D.C. I says, are you kidding? I said, you have to know somebody to get a job like that. And, of course, I hadn't gone to college yet or anything. And so anyway, we forgot about it. He says that you have to get assigned to a job that requires a language, and then they will send you to language school in Monterey, California. But of course, there was none, you know, I had already been established in my job, so I forgot all about it. But this was a January 45, and of course, then it was the day, and then of course, the war was over in August. And in September, the captain called me back to his office, and he says, I'm going to show you something. Well, lo and behold, I went back to the office. I couldn't imagine what he wanted me for. But he showed me a letter, and it was a letter from the Polish embassy in Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. I said, how in the world did you get this? I says, I didn't write to them. He says, I know you didn't. He says, I did. Oh. And he told them that they had a girl here that, you know, spoke Polish and should be interested in working for the embassy. Well, it just happened at the right time because all during the war, the embassies were all closed. And now the war was over, and they were reopening, and they needed somebody. Mm. So, but... Of course, the letter just mentioned that the ambassador was out of the country, and upon his return, they would show him the letter. Well, so I forgot about it again. I never thought anything would have developed. To make a long story short, I went to New York for a New Year's. My girlfriend and I from Massachusetts, we applied for a Christmas leave to go home to our family, and the next day, we were going to meet in New York because Gloria Vanderbilt, she sent a letter around to our base to all the women veterans saying if they ever come to New York, they could stay at the mansion free of charge. Wow. So I said to my girl, well, we can't pass this up. We had never been out of our little hometown, you know. So we uh, applied for Christmas leave. We got that. And we sent for our reservations at the mansion. We got that. So we were all set. So come Christmas, we both went home. The next day we met in New York. We go out to the mansion with a big sign on the door, closed. 
They closed because the war was over, and they never notified us. No. And oh here we are in New York on New Year's weekend, oh, and no place to stay. That's oh. terrible. Oh, we just walked the streets, of course. You know, we went to YWC and all those places. Everybody was booked naturally. So we ended up in the Salvation Army, and I said, <laughs> we have no place to stay. So uh, somebody told us about the Bowery. And we didn't know what the Bari was, you know. They said, oh, they always have rooms. Oh, so we go to the Bari. Oh, my gosh, that was such a terrible experience. I can't go through that. And I said to my girlfriend, I'm not staying here another day if I have to sleep on the street. <laughs> so we went back to the Salvation Army and told her, I says, we, ha- we have to get back to camp, and w- we can't go back. And so uh, we're stranded here, so would you please tell her that we have no way to get back to camp so she she was kind enough to send a wire so my girlfriend and i went on had breakfast we came back and there was a, a letter from our commanding officer a wire telling us to report to bowling field in washington dc because there were two officers that were flying up there and they would bring us back i was stationed in orlando army air base in oh. florida so so that's what we were supposed to do. We were supposed to meet them at 9 o'clock the next day. Well, we had no trouble going to Washington from New York because they had commuter trains on them every hour. And they were rickety trains that they got out because <laughs> they were all filled with military, most of them. And so we were lucky we got a seat, and I was sitting by the window enjoying everything. About two hours later, the window broke out and there was glass all over the place and of course we couldn't change seats because there were no seats to be taken so for the next two hours we sat with that cold air blowing in on us oh no and um while i was in florida from from one of the lakes swimming in lakes i contracted an infection in my face and every month or so my face would swell well anyway from this cold air blowing on me by the time i got to washington my face was just hideous i had a big big swollen pussy um, um, bulb on my face and my eye was closed my chin down here so we got to washington and of course um, there again it was late at night we couldn't get any bus out the bowling field there was a hotel across from the station and i said well i know we can't get a room there but maybe he can let us sleep in the lobby you know and until morning so we went in there, and he says, oh, my gosh, what a mess. He says, let me check things out. Well, it just so happened that one of the maids was called home on emergency leave, and her room was empty, and he gave it to us. Oh, thank God. So anyway, okay. this is very interesting because um, the next morning we got up early. We got to bowling field. We were supposed to meet these officers at 9 o'clock, and we were scared. We were scared because neither one of us had ever been in an airplane. And then I said, then we're going up there in the sky with two strange men. We didn't like that either. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we were nervous, Rex, and they were about two hours late, and we didn't think they were ever going to show up. Well, he finally did, and the, the one officer looked at me, and he says, oh, my God, he says, uh, what I got to tell you, he said, we have to stop overnight in in uh, Pensacola, and if anything should happen to you, we wouldn't know what to do. You better go see the doctor. So they took me over to the medics, and the doctor took one look at me and said, of course, you're not going anywhere. You're staying right here. So my girlfriend had to go on alone, and I thought she was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> but anyway. What a nightmare. <laughs> yes. Make a long story short, so I was in the hospital for four days. The third day, I got a wire from my commanding officer from Florida 
and it was from forwarded to me from the Polish embassy. And the Polish embassy was requesting an interview, and I just happened to be in Washington. How about that? Now, you know that if I had gone back to camp, I would have not been able to get another leave, and I wouldn't have had the money for the train fare or anything like that. So another coincidence is, so I immediately called him. The next day, I went down and had my interview. They said, he, you know, he said, yes, we'd like to have you, but we can only hold the job for two weeks, you know. Mm-hmm. I says, well, I'll speak to my Canon Manning officer. So anyway, by this time, I was very thrilled to pieces, and I was ready to get back to camp to see if I could get discharged. And I went to the train station. We're there again. Do you have a reservation? And I says, oh, no. He says, well, we're booked for months. He says, everybody from New York is going to Florida for the winter. Right. You know, this was, right. this was January. And um, he says, I'm so sorry. We're booked for months. Well, just lo and behold, at this moment, his telephone rang. And it was a man canceling his reservation to Florida. And he gave it to me. Oh, so, you were I mean, des- talk you about were luck. Talk where, about- Florida is a big state. Where was it? I was stationed in Orlando, Orlando so Army you, Air Base. I think it was destiny. That's why you were really meant, You were meant to be on that yes. at the Polish embassy. Well, that's so what you I took, said. Did, you took the job. Oh, yes. And how long did you work it there? It took me a month to get out of the service, <laughs> and I don't want to go through that detail. And so when I got home, I didn't, re- didn't even know whether I had a job, and I would have been disappointed, you know, because I would have stayed in the service then. So anyway, I, I did get the job. I went there, and... Uh, well, I, I got to tell you this one more thing. Uh, while I was there, my face my face blew up again, and I in, landed in the Veterans Hospital. And while I was in the hospital, President Truman had a garden party for all the veterans in the surrounding hospitals, and oh. I got to go to oh that. Oh, my gosh. So I got to meet President Truman, his wife, and um, what was her name? His <laughs> his daughter's name. I just love it. Margaret, Margaret. Margaret Truman. And the whole cabinet. That's so those are my special. memorable moments of I, my service. What so. a great story. So that if that window had never shattered yes. on that plane, despite what it did to your face yes. and the cold and what you had to suffer through, yes. that was like if that it was like the event that that made all the other dominoes yes. fall. That is amazing. What a good Just story. Amazing. I don't have any stories to tell like that. <laughs> but uh, I was in a pub in England and a young man comes up to me and says our young soldier came up to me, taps me on the shoulder, and says, you're from Meadville, aren't you? Oh, my gosh. How did he know? He lived next door to a <laughs> friend of mine. You know how girls go back and forth to their sure. houses. Not only that, his brother and I were in the same class. And he knew me. I, I'll be honest. I wasn't sure who he was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that. He must have had eyes for you. <laughs> you were from Meadville, huh? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Meadville, PA, right? Right. And uh, another one I had was I went over on the Queen, uh, to England, on the Queen Mary. Mary. Oh, wow. And uh, I'm walking down the street in England, and a young soldier comes up to me and says, you come over on the, you came over on the Queen Mary, didn't you? And when we were on the Queen Mary, we were on the upper deck, and there were seven decks. And the boys were down, way down. But we did get to uh, look them over and see them. <laughs> or he may have seen us getting on the boat and like that. I don't know where he saw, but he said said that to me. He, what was that ship like, the Queen Mary? Well, 
I'll tell you one story. Uh, one lady, we were, as I told you, on the upper deck. And uh, you had to go down seven decks to eat. And uh, she said you'd see the boys on the way going up and down. Well, you did have a choice of eating three times a day or eating twice a day where the officers ate. Hmm. And she said the food down there was atrocious because it was English-type food and mm -hmm. she didn't like it. But anyway, I, stole, I went for the officers and went down one deck. And uh, the food, as far as I was concerned, was, was decent. I had no complaint at all. Were you an officer? No. You weren't. You just wanted to go eat with them. <laughs> no, you didn't eat with them. Oh, not with them. Okay. No, you weren't with them. Okay. It's just where they ate and you got the food that they got. What were your rank, uh, like your rank? Because I know these days, is it like E4, E3? Was Were those the same ranks that the women Army Corps had? Like your pay grade? So how, because I made it to E4 in my four years in. How far did you girls make it? Technical sergeant. Which was like E5? You we don't, don't know, know those? They didn't have that. Oh, they then. didn't have that then. Okay. No, I was, I was just a technical was, sergeant. We have private corporal sergeant, okay. buck sergeant, tech sergeant, master sergeant. I was a buck sergeant. A buck sergeant? Means okay. a, just three stripes. Three stripes. Gotcha. Tech sergeant had four stripes. Sounds familiar to the way that they work ranking today. Yeah. Well, Marion, we didn't get to hear a memor we didn't yes, get to hear a, a memorable story from your time. Story from the wartime? War yeah. First, anything anything you can remember while you were in the army with de you know, any details? I'm, I'm a shellback. You're a shellback. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if you had crossed the equator. I did. Yeah. yeah. November 17th, 1943. Tell me about Wog Day. <laughs> Let me hear. Do you remember about Wog Day? That's the day that well, you crossed the, the equator and you... The crew was very gentle with the women. Oh, okay. Less so with the, the other crew members and the men. They really got a licking with that <laughs> uh, paste. <laughs> so paste, you're, are you saying they got... Paste over the mouth. Oh, they put paste in their mouth. Yeah, Ooh. they had a bucket with uh, a flour and water. That... Oh, a paste. Okay, I see. <laughs> <laughs> and from an upper deck to a lower deck into a pool, and they pulled this out. Yeah. Do you still have your certificate that says I'm a shell bag? I don't, I don't have... I, I don't sent know. it home... On a broomstick. I think my mother probably didn't know what it was and destroyed it. Oh, I never did have it. That's and shame. my card, I pulled it out of the vault not long ago. It was so old it crumbled. Oh. I don't even have the card to test the fact that I'm a shell back now. <laughs> well, if, we, if you ask King Neptune, King Neptune will vouch for you, Marion. Well, <laughs> I thought about writing for a replacement, but after all these years. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's worth it or not. I was lucky I got I, one of my medals, the one from the WAAC to the WAC when we had the transition. It was so faded, you couldn't tell, see the, the green and the gold on the ribbon. I wrote to the department that handles that, and they not only sent me a replacement for that, they sent me all of my ribbons hanging from the uh, fabric and replaced all of my barcodes. So I've got a whole pile of them. I mean, this time of life, what am I going to do with them? You know, I'm past the age for some of that stuff now. Well, I know locally here, Soldiers and Sailors Museum, like sometimes they take certain memorabilia and they put it on display. 
I know one of Elaine Berkowitz. She's one of well, your fellows here. Her, her yeah. uniform is on display My son over there. Sent me yeah. this. That's very See, nice. The ruptured duct. She's Did pointing to her one? fanny pack, oh, yes. which has a oh, you, ruptured duct. You got a ruptured duct. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about the ruptured duct. It's a little pin with this emblem on it. Okay. On the discharge from the army after World War II, and a few years ago, my son found this and sent me. So I, I wear it now. Everybody knows I'm a veteran. <laughs> <laughs> what does the ruptured duct stand for? Like, what is that? A, a, I don't know. You it's don't know. The, it's a, the, what's the significance of it? I think I think service it's discharged from the service. Okay. Yeah. It just proves that we're in the army that you were in. I say that you were the in the women's the army corps. Yeah. Or even army too. So or they have ruptured ducks. They have an army. An army thing. Yeah. I have a friend with whom I play Scrabble a couple times a week. Oh. He wears his ruptured duck always on his lapel. I've never seen it with that him without it all of this. Oh how nice. Oh nice. That is nice. He says that he was in the service. Very nice. Well, I don't have to wear mine. I am wearing it. <laughs> Did any of you meet your husband when you were serving? No? Me neither. I'm just I'm just wondering. Where is yours? <laughs> what? Where is your ruptured duck? I don't remember ever getting one. <laughs> you may not have. I don't know. I got one. Her rubber duck is in the bathtub. <laughs> Let me ask you, where is yours now? Mine's on my uniform. We were only given one uniform on discharge. Yeah. We're at yeah. home, and that was it. That's it. And then I, <laughs> it outgrew me. I went from 165 to 135, and now I'm down to 109. <laughs> so oh, wow. I so what was it, it like? Even I kept the uniforms. I couldn't wear it anymore. What was it like com when you got out of the Women's Army Corps? You came home to the United States, and you came home to Meadville. Or, where are you from? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. All right. Mm -hmm. What was it like coming home? Well, it was very, very, how should I say, exciting. I got discharged, and I came home. It was 12 o'clock at night down to Pennsylvania Station, and they had a um, USO there. And I was able to stay overnight because my brother couldn't come and pick me up at night. And so the next morning, he came and picked me up, and we got home about 9 o'clock. And at 10 o'clock, there was a knock on our door, and it was from Western Union. And it was from the Polish embassy telling me to report to work on Thursday. Oh. And this was Tuesday. So I was only home a half a day because the next day, Wednesday, I had to take the bus. And back then it took us 10 hours to get to Washington on the bus from <laughs> Pittsburgh. Wow. So that was exciting for me. And there again, I get to Washington and there's no place to stay and I don't <laughs> have the money to buy a big hotel. I ended up at the Salvation Army again and the lady put up a cot for me and I slept there in my civilian clothes and went to work the next day. Oh my gosh, you had it rough. You had issues with transportation and I had an exciting life, I'll tell you. The best thing that ever happened to me was to join the Army because I had many, many experiences. So did they put, once you started working at the embassy in Washington, D.C., did they put you up? Like, no, no, they did not put me up. But one of the girls... You didn't have to commute to Pittsburgh, did you? No, no. The one okay. of the girls that worked there, she lived in the uh, hotel across the street, Hotel for Women. And she let me share her room until I got an apartment. Oh, that was nice. Of and so I got to tell you this, too. I, I got an apartment eventually in a house of women. It was just all women. And this was on Peace Street in Washington, D.C. Well, I hadn't been in Washington, of course, for years and years and years. But I went back in, in um, 2012, 2013, a couple of years ago. And um, I visited Peace Street and now our building is an office for um, Ralph Nader. 
Oh. For Ralph Nader. Wow. So that was exciting, too. I was oh, my gosh. That's pretty neat. Yes. Yeah, sometimes people have mixed feelings about going back to where they served or where, yeah. you know, in the past. But Well, I, one of the diplomats that I worked for at the embassy, let's see, it was in 1952, and I left because the, the government of Poland was overturned for communists took over, and we were getting new new people coming in, and most of the diplomats that I worked for defected and stayed in the United States. And the one diplomat I worked for became an American citizen, and he was a professor of languages at Berkeley University. Okay, so I left in 52, and then um, I went to Florida. I retired. No, no, I went overseas. I worked overseas in Germany for six years for the Air Force, at Ramstein Air Force Base. Then I came back to the States and I worked at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia, that's where I retired. And then from there I went to California. And while I was in California, I picked up the paper one day and I noticed that one of my, my one of my bosses, one of the diplomats that I worked for, won the Nobel Prize wow. for poetry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, well I'll tell you, I almost lost my teeth. I was so excited, I couldn't believe it. So I says, oh, my God, I'm going to send him a wire. He may, never, he may not remember me because by this time, 30 years has gone by. And I said, he'll never remember me. So, but I said, I'm going to send him a wire anyway. So I did. And I said, you may not remember me, but I want to congratulate you. Such wonderful news and stuff like that. Well, lo and behold, if he didn't send me back a copy of his poem, the one that he got the prize for, oh, and no. it was in Polish. And then below, it was the English translation. And in between, he said, of course, I remember you, Jackie. It was my nickname. Aww. And he says, um, my very best wishes. And then, of course, he signed it. So here I had his original signature. And all these years, I just cherished it. And I got it. I framed it, you know, and kept it. Well, now I figure, oh, what am I going to do with it? Because he has since died. And I said, what am I going to do? The kids means nothing to the kids. So I came up with the idea of going back to Washington to visit the, the embassy. I'd like to see it one more time. Uh-huh. And also I thought that would be the best place for that oh, yeah. for that poem. Do you remember the name of the poem? Well, no, I can't. No. Nobody could give you his name. Okay, you know. if you want to. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> the poem was in Polish, so I, I, I couldn't remember it. Okay. So anyway, I went back to the embassy and I showed them that, and of course she was delighted. She said they'd love to have it. So she had a little ceremony, a little tea, and I presented them with a poem, and they framed it. And now it sits at the embassy where I thought it it belongs. Really, it's there now. Yeah, that was. I think that that was a great way for you yes. to pay honor. Yes, to that, and the Nobel Prize is quite prestigious. How do you ladies feel about women in combat today? Because I know in World War Two women were not allowed in combat, right? You were you answered phones, you were a stenotype, you know, secretary of sorts. What do you feel about women in combat? You're shaking your heads no, so. I don't like the women being in mixed in with the men together. You don't? No, I like the all women's army corps. Okay, all right. <laughs> I agree. You agree too? Why don't you think women should be in combat just because they're they're too you know i don't know that, that's a hard question because some women want to go in but i cannot believe that a woman that has children should ever go into combat they should not be allowed to even join right if they have children that's right because Talk, yeah talking about that it's way off but it's okay when we first got to our barracks 
And, of course, the men uh, back in those days were guarding the barracks. Oh. It, it's a certain amount of it. Hmm. And we always said if any one of them dared to come into that building, they wouldn't have gotten out alive. <laughs> <laughs> or we knew how we were going to go after them, rather. Yeah. So you had men guarding your barracks? I did not. Uh, did. This we, was we were very all... early when when we first oh, went. Oh, okay. See, we, yeah. were, the fir- we okay. were the first whack group to go to uh, Fort Custer. Uh, okay. So I was on a ship with men. Okay. And I was also an engineer, so I spent a lot of time down, down in the, there with their, down yeah. in the dumps, you know, in the in the bows of the ship with the men. Yes. And I never really thought. I never could imagine being a part of an all women force. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, you yeah, know what I mean. You? Like I, it was just normal for me that sure. I served with men. Of course. So I really, I appreciate your point of view on yes. that. Well, and and I guess the girls nowadays too, that wouldn't make any difference to them. But I mean, since we've been through it, we we can see a big difference, because I don't feel that we had the. Um, men making all these sly remarks against us and stuff because they weren't around, you know. Right. And, and so, and of course, the cussing now is much oh, more right. than I, I can, know. I could take. Very foul language. Is, um, I think that is terrible. I understand. So it's a, it's a real shame because it's, our, our, I think our whole country's being demoralized. How do you feel about what's going on right now in the world? I mean, with- But that's just it. Yeah. I mean, so overall, much hate. I don't understand it. With with what's happening with the Nazis, right? The neo Nazi yeah. party uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia. And I mean, I'm having a really hard time. Oh, everybody is. It Every, is scary. It's scary. It's scary. Yeah. Why is oh, it scary? It is. But all the shooting. Yeah. I don't know where are these young kids. Everybody gets guns. Everybody's shooting each other. I don't understand it. Yeah. It's just. What's, I don't know. I mean, obviously, this is. I mean, it's a scary situation when there's protests and. Um, oh yeah. Beverly, what's what's uh, frightening most to you about about what's happening right now, with the neo-Nazi party in Charlottesville? Is it bringing back memories? I mean, like what? I mean, you girls dealt with that. It was part of your job. It, you know, you swore to the country. That you this were, kind of thing that would be happening in this country again, and that right. they want. Oh, Do they just, want to take over? I'm not sure what's going on. Nobody does, and we can understand how people people can still think that way. So right. in Charlottesville, Virginia, they were taking down a statue of Robert E. Lee. Yeah. And that's where it, what, what stemmed the protest for the neo-Nazi party to create this, this protest. And the counter-protesters came in. Yes. People got hurt. This one woman was killed. And why? What do they expect to prove by that? You know, I feel the they're same. not going to settle anything. That's all a part of history. These things as they are, I don't know, just too yeah. much. And look at Barcelona. Right. That's another car running through the a crowd like that, killing all those people. Could you have ever imagined back in when oh, you guys no. were serving that this would be the state of our nation 73 never, years later? Never, never. What about like, gay and lesbian people in the military? Do you guys have any feelings one way or the other on that? Or is that something you just shouldn't talk about, your sexuality? I feel as long as I can do the job, but I can't I can't go for this transgender business where they, they expect the military to pay for their, uh, for their operations and stuff like that. I cannot go along with that. But I feel if they just go in, 
as whatever they want to be and be able to do the job, then it's okay with me. But other than that, Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Longest War. Today, we were honored to have three women Army veterans with us. Beverly, thank you so much for being here. Emily, it was a real pleasure and an honor to speak with you all. Thank you, Marion. Thank you, my dear, and thank you for serving. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Longest War. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or your favorite podcasting app.